everybody. Welcome back to the DC Freecast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Zach and Vince. We have a doozy of an episode to get to today, so we're going to jump right in to uh, a book I bet you listeners did not guess we were going to start with, and that's Deceased, A Good Day to Die, number one. Um, this is written by Tom Taylor, illustrated by, uh, was it, it was three artists, right? It was at least two. Um, Man, I I couldn't have told you because it all looked the same to me. Uh, it was it was Laura Braga and Derek Robertson. As far yeah. as I'm, as far as I know, it was just those just two. Just those two, okay. Um, but yeah, uh, guys, is deceased good? <laughs> Tom Taylor is good. Yeah, Tom th- Taylor's very good, and deceased has been okay. So we've we've talked about deceased. A little bit on the show. And I think, you know, all of us thought that it was some level of good or or okay. But I think for me, for me, the biggest thing standing in its way uh, from from being good or great in my mind has been the art, you know. Um, You're not a Trevor Harrison guy. I just have. No, I haven't been the biggest fan of 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 his style. Uh, and I, I think that the deceased stuff has been especially not to my taste. Um, this issue pretty much, I mean, it's two completely different artists and artists I really like. And lo and behold, this special for my money is the best issue of this yet. You want a hot take? Go for it. Uh, this was better than Mr. Miracle. (laughs) <laughs> yes sure wow. sure yeah why not I'll support give that it, take why not yeah give, give this the eisner right yes <laughs> they're gonna somehow accidentally give tom king the eisner for this yeah they're gonna have tom taylor written down but um uh, what's they're his gonna fuck? go that can't be right what's his fuck who gave marissa to me the, the oscar when he wasn't supposed to supposedly um did uh, the one-arm push-ups City Slickers, you guys know who I'm talking about? Come on, I'm I'm blanking. I know I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he's yes, gonna read Tom Taylor instead. He's dead, but he's gonna read his ghost is gonna read Tom Taylor instead. Tom, <laughs> I mean Tom King instead of Tom Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jack Palance. There we go. There you go. Yes. Yeah. 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 Jack, you are my number one. <laughs> Little Batman '89 for you bitches there. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah yeah this is good it's better than Mr Miracle put that on the on the trade DC... dress <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Zach Wilkerson <laughs> better than Mr Miracle yep um I it. I'll stand by can, it can I make another yep. claim here yeah this is the best Mr Terrific since the New Fifty Two sure why not uh, yeah I'll he's go good with in the Terrifics but this he's better here. I think yeah. Uh, best best booster gold since <laughs> the new fifty two. Yep. Yep. Best best uh, all the characters best from the uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. All the all the JLI characters. Um, so much JLI, JLI love in this, and I, I and I love it. Maybe yeah. Tom Taylor should write a JLI book. Oh, How about baby. that? How about that idea? Oh baby. Oh no. Apparently he's writing a Suicide Squad book. You know, if his little drops and hints are to be yeah. believed. 
Really? Have you seen no, that? No, I no, I haven't. Oh man. Um. So he's I been thought, dropped. Uh, we we thought, were excited um, for a um for a Rob Williams Suicide Squad. So I will I will I will temper my enthusiasm <laughs> until we actually see a good issue. But yes, but oh no, that's it, right. Azzarello is doing Birds of Prey, right? Yes. Right. Okay. It was Suicide Squad was the old rumor, but yes. then that didn't happen. Yeah. Okay. As can I talk? Can I talk about Tom Taylor's potential Suicide Squad as an aside, real quick? Sure, go yeah, for yeah, it, buddy. Yeah, because I've not heard anything about this. Okay, so he's been doing these teasers, and it's like hashtag Squad goals, which is the thing that has everybody thinking it's Suicide Squad. Um, oh, who is the artist that's doing the teasers with him? It's um, I'll look it up. You keep talking. Yeah, it's somebody he's worked with before, and it's somebody who's done a lot of recent DC work. Oh, it's Bruno Redondo. Yes, yes, there we go. Um, Okay. Yeah. So he's dropping these little teasers, and as far as I know, unless I've missed some, so far there have been like two or three, and they're all new characters. So I think the thing that's going to be – if this is Suicide Squad, if that is what we're talking about, I think the the potentially really interesting great thing about it, aside from – having a great writer is that if he's planning on using mostly mostly new characters i can't imagine them letting him do the book without slipping some classic squad characters in there you know right but if he's able to use like you know half new or mostly new characters where there's like an actual potential fear that like some of them could die or what like getting back to the roots of what suicide squad is right mm-hmm. um i think that's a potentially a really exciting idea and i think that gets away from this idea of the suicide squad as this very same group of villains or anti-heroes or or you know whatever the configuration is that that i just feel is so played out that we got right, so right. sick of you know harley yeah. deadshot um killer croc uh sure captain boomerang Captain, Captain Boomerang. Boomerang is like, yeah, staple. Yeah. yeah El Diablo. Yeah. So anyway, that, that El Diablo. Yep. So um, I'm kind of excited about that potentially. Yeah. But but deceased. A good uh, day to die. Best best John Constantine. Since... In, a, in a long time. In yeah, a long time. I, I think so. And I'll, I'll say a big thing that sells that part is the Derek Robertson art. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love his art, first of all. I'm so like happy to see him on a DC book again. Um, but the, the, the like the the visual comedy of his art is so perfect for Constantine. Um I mean if I'm not mistaken, he's drawn Constantine before. I believe so. Yeah. Sure, surely, yeah. Um but I just think like it's such a good fit. The opening scene of his segment where he's just being the, chased by zombies. Yeah. He's being chased by zombies and he's like getting closer and closer to the, to the, to us, to the reader, like uh Monty Python and the Holy grail or something. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, that's funny when he's sitting in the oblivion bar and he orders a drink and then there's like three silent panels of him just succumbing to his conscience, you know, yeah. just that's, that's so Derek Robertson. He nails it. He, he is perfect. I love his art for like the zombie context of this story, you know, because he's got like the the very detailed, gritty potential in his art, you know. Sure. I think fits just perfectly 
Um, oh, yeah, I loved this issue. Uh, and I did not see that coming. <laughs> we also have in this issue a couple of things I think are, are key to um, to sort of making this issue feel important in a way. And first of all, is Wave Rider coming back? I know that's a very small callback for a lot of people. But Wave he's a linear Rider, man. He's, yeah, he is a linear man. Uh, but Wave Rider is such an important part of, like, the DC crossovers of the 90s that it just it just makes this instantly feel classic in a way. Um, and we get a lot of really, like... I mean, just even something as, as funny as... or as small as in the next... Uh, you know, Constantine scene where he asks uh, Bobo for the uh, the bottle from the top shelf that made Phantom Stranger forget his own name. <laughs> Just, you know, yeah. a little detail like that is, is wonderful. Um, but yeah, this felt like classic DC. There's a lot of really good stuff here. I also liked how I think this issue made these deaths feel more important than anything in the regular series. Mm-hmm. Don't you agree with that? In yeah, in the context of this issue, yes, that yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it, the issue ends with a "to be continued," uh, <laughs> like tease. Yeah. There, obviously, this is going to cross over into the deceased series somehow. I can't. I can't imagine Constantine not being a part of that now, right? Yeah. Which makes me wonder how this was planned out because it seems weird that this was this got its own like special one shot or whatever. But by the end of it, I'm like, well, this is integral to yes, the story. I, can, I, I, you know? I can't imagine reading this event without reading this story. Yeah, I don't. I don't really get. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fine. I'm not. I don't care how they publish things. It's just it's kind of strange to me. It's it's weird. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure it'll be collected in the deceased trade, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess the veggie plate thing from Mister Miracle is a yes. thing now. That's that's canon now. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's going to be in the movie. You know, it's going to be in the movie. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just <laughs> one of those things, like like Wally West being a murderer. Every time we talk about Mr. Miracle, we're going to talk about veggies, I guess. Um, One thing I thought was a little funny in this issue was when Zatanna first shows up at the very end. Why is she speaking backwards when it's not a spell? Yeah. Did you think about that? Like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) it it was weird. Yeah, I think that that seems like just like a little goof them up or something to me, (laughs) which is fine. It's doesn't take away from anything but but overall this is a really strong issue super fun yeah super duper fun yeah and the, the laura brega art's uh really good too uh yeah. I'm, I'm a fan i'm a fan of hers i just think the Derek robertson art is like that is so perfect for the the, the zombie aspect that that really and and, and, and for constantine fun. in particular too yeah, yes. Just an excellent an excellent pairing. Yep. All right, well let's let's dig into our next issue, which uh hold on to your butts, folks. It's Doomsday <laughs> Clock number eleven. Hold on Jeff. to hold on to your nude blue butt. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> written by Jeff Johns, illustrated by Gary Frank. 
Um, who wants to start with this one? Zach, go for it. Dig oh, in. Oh, no, I got picked. Okay. Um, <laughs> man, I don't, I don't even, I don't even know what to say about this. Um, I def, I didn't like this as much as issue 10 for sure. Um, but at the same time, it wasn't bad. Um, in fact, I think it's probably one of the better issues of the series so far. Um, it was very convoluted. Um, it, it didn't always make a lot of sense, but I, I guess I'll talk about, I'll just talk about the things I liked. I liked the callbacks to the beginning of Rebirth, um, particularly like with Lex uh, recounting, uh, you know, seeing Barry and Wally um, reunited, that which happened in the DC Universe Rebirth special. Um, I really liked the bit with um, Saturn Girl disappearing. I thought that that was like a really kind of chilling and and really well handled moment where she uh -huh. kind of just realizes that she doesn't exist anymore. Right. Um, and that, if I can stop, can I? Pause yeah, go ahead. right there. Yeah. That is what I was referencing the other week about how this now makes it seem a little bit easier to figure out how a post doomsday clock DCU kind of works with like what Bendis is doing. Because if, if that formation of the Legion faded away and a different one is created in a different future, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's right. Do you, do you think I'm off about that? Like, um, no. It seems to no, me I that if that that if it, that iteration of the Legion is is faded away because the future got changed, that opens up because because isn't the thing about um, Bendis's Legion? Doesn't it take place? What is it? Earlier or later than? It's later, I think. Yeah, it's like. The, it's like the year 3300 or something like that or 30 it's 33rd century maybe so like 3200 okay yeah so uh, so i don't know for sure that that's what dc intends with this but i can see a world where because of the events of doomsday clock now bendis is able to do this create this legion whole cloth out of uh out of thin air and not have to really explain it any more than that right um which really makes me wonder how much of this is being um, retrofitted on the fly because I I really wonder if this has been the in, the intention the entire time um, from when we you know back when we first saw that Legion ring um, you know Saturn Girl showed up in early issues of Tom King Batman um, in, in Arkham and. I wonder if the long game this whole time has been for this payoff. Cause it kind of feels like it's a yeah. weird payoff. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Calling um, it a payoff, I think is even possibly too strong. It is exactly. It really is. It's not a payoff necessarily. It's kind of a, if we didn't already have the new Legion already showing up in comics it would be the biggest letdown yeah <laughs> well uh, that is that is the potential payoff right does this yeah. play does this play into what bendis is doing and how and and that's where your payoff is gonna lie for right now it just feels like an interesting development uh in potentially in the greater fabric of of the dcu 
Now forgive right. my forgive my ignorance on this. I haven't looked carefully enough. Have we seen Saturn Girl in the Bendis Legion art yet? Yeah, she's in there. I figured she was. Yeah. Um, I mean okay. not it's not this Saturn Girl, but there is a Saturn Girl in the Legion. Okay. The the big three are all there. A- along with many others. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, uh, I guess uh, other things that I liked about this, um, Black Black Adam's always good, and um, maybe I'm maybe I'm a like just mainstream comics plebe here, but I really liked the Rorschach pancake scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's about it. Yeah, yeah, I think. I, I don't think this was bad, bad, and I, I do agree, Zach. I think this is a, a better issue of a DC comic than some of those early Doomsday Clock issues were. But I think I think it commits two sins for me as a reader, and one of those is it returns to all the uh, Doomsday Clock Watchmen sequel ancillary characters again to explain you, you, you me you weren't dying for more my marionette pal <laughs> you know i was yep <laughs> which i think you know if you if you think about how i talked enthusiastically about issues nine and ten uh the reason behind that was that they were mostly like 95 percent dcu stories whereas here we we went back and john's felt like he needed to to tell the reader how all the different pieces of the pseudo Watchmen characters fit into the puzzle again. That was right? my biggest problem with this issue. Yeah. yeah. Was there well, was just so much of uh, Ozymandias just being like, and then I did this and then this <laughs> happened and they didn't see it, but this was the thing that happened next. Like, it yeah, was really unnecessary. Well, and also how about the weird reveal for why mime and marionettes kid is important. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's Laurie and Dan. I big time groaned at that. Big time groaned at that. Yeah, that that is so contrived, and the stuff about Reggie realizing the truth about about Rorschach and and that he actually killed his dad and wasn't his friend or whatever. How we had to revisit that. It it didn't feel necessary, and also like I I honestly think the those three characters, like the 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 Rorschach two and Mime and Marionette are the least important characters in this story. To me, their involvement <laughs> until Rorschach becomes Batman next summer. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, we'll see about that. Um, uh, but, 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 you know, he felt like we, we had to revisit that for some reason and it just dragged this issue down. I feel like if we never saw it, like, if John's just decided we never had to see those characters again, uh, I don't think any of us would have been missing anything. Do you? No, I mean some some pedantic super fan online would get very mad about it. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. But but like an alternate universe universe version of me would get very mad about it. But yeah, not come put guy come put guy from the Simpsons will be mad. Yes. Um, 
so so that was one thing I didn't like. And the other thing I didn't like is that it just committed the classic comic book crime of just being super boring. The, <laughs> yeah. the issue was just boring, you know? Like, like you said, Brian, I think it was you, uh, it's just uh, Adrian Veidt standing around explaining his plan, you know? One of the most brilliant moments of the original Watchmen is... Adrian explaining his plan, but it's like a page or two or something. You know what I mean? Well, and not just Adrian, but also Lex and Lex. It's both yeah. of them. Both of them do it. Ah, but you see, they're they're one and the same. Oh, I see. <laughs> Wait a second. If they're one and the same, then how is Doctor Manhattan also Lex? Why does the sign oh. say Luthor? <laughs> um, yeah. Why did you think the uh, bubble would stop them? Shut up. That's why. Does that mean we've seen Lex Luthor's penis? Yes. Um, Just like his regular head. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my. Okay. <laughs> Send your complaints to Brian at Multiverse. Whenever you bring up his penis, I make a joke and I'm a bad guy. <laughs> um, but things that I did like about this issue, I I really do like the overall tapestry of the DCU stuff that that Johns is weaving. Uh, Zach, you mentioned Black Adam. Um, I'm going to throw like Martin Stein and his involvement in the Superman theory and the creation of metahumans. I think that's a really interesting way to weave Firestorm into the greater uh, DCU narrative. I think the the stuff about the past still being the past. So, so Johnny thunder remains in his cell and he doesn't fade away. Well, Saturn girl is fading away because the future is no longer part of the timeline. I think that's a really nice comic booky way to maybe get lean towards, uh, explaining how the universe is going to work after doomsday clock is over. Um, and I think, I, I do think I like the page where uh, I believe it's correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's either Lex Luthor explaining what Ozymandias found or Ozymandias explaining what he found. <laughs> but either way, it's about how or no, it's. a Oh, it's somebody it's be your bull. <laughs> it's got that's right. Yes. <laughs> Holy shnikes. Um, uh it's somebody explaining that that Dr. Manhattan found the DCU to be a world of extremes that was impossible to reconcile. Uh, a constant fight between hope and darkness and all these crazy characters that that are seemingly impossible and that he wanted to be among those people because he felt more at home. Versus, and I, I think that's, not only is that a comment about comic books or the DCU, but it's a, it's again, a comment about Watchmen's quote unquote realistic universe versus DCU's universe and how they differ and whether they could ever coincide. And uh, I think probably like Watchmen purists won't like that. And, and, and again, I don't think it's an idea that, that maybe needed discussing in an actual comic but I do think that's that's a really great way to celebrate what the DCU is and what makes it different from the sort of real realism and grim and grittiness that has happened 
uh, to comics in the last 30, 40 years, you know? Sure. I, I really do like that, even if I think it never really needed explaining in the first place. Um, I also come back on, like, this is not what we were pitched. <laughs> this is, we have been sold a false bill of goods and... <laughs> Before yes, I get into it, my problems, speak with on this that. Issue, speak yeah, on I was like, before I get into my issues, talk more about that. Well, I mean, like we get, I feel like we talk about this every single time there's a Doomsday Clock issue, where where it's just like we go back to that first initial John's interview where he's like, it's not going to be this, this, and this, and then it's proceeded to be exactly only that the entire time, <laughs> um, and like this issue just doubles down on it so hard, and even like. I go back to thinking about when he talked about the politics that influence Doomsday Clock, and then we get these kind of just like really mealy mouth references to Trump. Um, yeah. You yeah. Know, just yeah. like just saying things like huge a lot, you know, mm-hmm. like not ever actually showing him depicting him ever. It's always off panel, but just like very specific, like you would have to be you know, like a five-year-old to not recognize the Trump speak. And it's just all really, um, once it's, it's very shallow. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. All right. So, um, this issue really bugged me, um, for a couple of reasons, but you guys have more or less described why the issue bugged me. All the things you've talked about were more or less the things that uh, that bothered me. But I want, I want to highlight a few things, though, in particular. Um, number one, I did like the idea of the future being erased, but the past being intact. Problem with that is that by that, by by the past being intact what past does that mean does it mean all the past like I, I i'm interested to find out that answer but i'm afraid that this is also how dc these are going to use this as an eraser to continuity they don't want to count anymore like that this is going to sort of put the per put the past in amber now that well since since the new 52 and since rebirth the past has been this amorphous thing that sometimes it makes a lot of sense other times it doesn't but we kind of can figure out, just based on what's happening in one issue, whether something is canon or not anymore, whether something counts or not anymore. And my fear is that this is going to sort of just set that more. Yeah, it it will one hundred percent continue to be the way that you're described because yeah. because that's just comic editorial oh, in a nutshell. I'm not saying it's going to stay that way, <laughs> but I could see this being the pitch of. Oh no, we're gonna fix continuity. Oh yeah. Oh, that's oh, that's a good point, Brian. I'm gl- I'm glad you brought that up because I did hear a rumor that they are working on a definitive DC timeline. Have you have you heard about this? You heard about this? You you see this? You see this thing, Judge Edo? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have not seen this. I heard a rumor, and I don't know if it was Uncle Rich or or somewhere else, that somebody is working on a definitive DC timeline up to the po- the rebirth post rebirth stuff. Um, 
that that they're going to streamline it and define it so that you can it'll it'll be like a resource or something that can be I don't know if it's going to be an It'll external be resource by or, writers everywhere. Well, I was just going to say I don't know if it'll be an external resource that we'll all have access to or if it's like the the visual style guide where it's only the people working on the comics that have access to it. But I think somebody's working on this. I'm I'm you keep talking and I'm going to look for this, okay? Okay. Uh, so that's that's my one concern is that you know this is going to try and more finalize the history of the DCU. Uh, all of the Watchmen stuff blew in this issue, as you guys have said. Um, <laughs> but I was really bothered by the Dan and Laurie thing because I feel like by not including them in the main part of this story, we were given those we were giving those characters a real ending at the end of Watchmen, and allowing the pretty much the the only two decent people in that story to have somewhat of a happy ending. And while having them adopt a child is not an unhappy thing by any means, it just felt like we already gave them an ending. Why do we need to give them more of an ending? Um, I mean, I. I guess that 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 question amplified a hundred times is my feeling on this whole book of like Watchmen ended. Why do we need this? Right. Mm -hmm. um, but whatever. Um, OK, I've got this. Can I can I interject real quick? Yes. yes. OK, this is this is from Bleeding Cool, uh, July 18th, 2019. DC Comics are working on a new DC Universe timeline during the Q&A session at DC Comics Publishers Panel at San Diego Comic-Con today. Dan DiDio talked about previous lack of any such timeline. Blah, 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 blah. Well, they are currently creating an official timeline of the DC Universe between books so they can work out who is where, what they're doing, and how everyone interconnects and relates to one another, and not wanting to have to keep undoing and redoing everything every five minutes. Remember Aquaman and Mira's marriage, whether or not Red Robin had been a Robin, who had been in the Titans, when was Damian Wayne born, blah, blah, blah. So from I mean, Dan DiDio's mouth at this Q&A. And in principle, I don't really have a problem with that. Um, DC's not had that for a really long time. Yeah. No, the problem with stuff like that, though, and again, this is not a major problem, but like if this year they say, okay, Damian Wayne is 14 and therefore was born in <laughs> 2005, that means that they're planning on either ignoring that one year from now or aging him <laughs> in real time. And they're not going to age yep. him in real time, so it will be ignored sure, one year. Sure, sure. <laughs> Oh, fuck I mean, shit, like, though. yeah, I mean, like, I feel like, I mean, if they do try to, like, date it, that, you know, will pro become problematic. But it's also, like, I think, I think having a kind of, like, shake up every 10 years where you, like, reestablish this stuff, since they aren't going to work in real time, is nice, you know? Like, sure. Um, you, you, we're still, I mean, we're all on our X-Men kick right now, and I have to kind of, like you know, like just kind of turn a blind eye to the fact that uh, Magneto survived the Holocaust and he, <laughs> you know, like, right, yeah. Um, which is weird that that one's still sticking around considering that they've slid. Obviously that one, that is a harder origin to slide the way they've done like Nick Fury, yeah. like Flash know. Thompson being a Vietnam War vet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like those, those are easier yeah. to slide, but like you can, you can do that. Um, and, and, you know, like Marvel right now is doing that history of the Marvel universe comic with Mark Wade and Javier Rodriguez. And 
um, kind of creating a, a definitive Marvel history. And I, I don't think that they've done that since, geez, I don't know if Marvel has really, I don't know when Marvel has done that before. Um, they, they do it in those like handbooks, like the official handbook okay. of the Marvel universe. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. Okay. But, but, but it's been, you know, many years since DC's done anything like that either. And so I think, I think now's a good time for it. I honestly think that maybe they should have launched Rebirth with that, but I guess that would have spoiled some things. But now that we're kind of getting to the culmination of the Rebirth story or whatever, well, now, it's now it's would a, be it's a good interesting time you to say do that it. because the first thing published after Crisis on Infinite Earths was the history of the DC Universe <laughs> by Wolfgang right, Perez. Right. So. Exactly. And, and I mean, like, this would be a good time to circle back around on that, I sure, think. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, I hope it's a better comic than that history of the DC Universe is, <laughs> but that's a whole other story. Um, all right, so a couple more Doomsday uh, Clock thoughts here. I am really confused as to what this was supposed to be versus what this has become. Do we think that this resembles what John's pitched them? Uh, I Yes, I do, for the most part. I, I do think there have been some minor changes here and there to accommodate... Uh, like I really do feel like Saturn Girl disappearing has more to do with Bendis being the one to introduce Legion than what the original intent was. But I think, I think see, especially I, I think that with the real from the beginning. But that's really go ahead. yeah. Mm, see, I don't because I think I don't think Bendis was planned from the beginning. You know, no, but they were going to bring Legion back at some point. Like, I, I don't think this does yeah. anything specifically for Bendis' Legion versus okay. just the Legion in general. All right, yeah. I, I guess that that's my one strong opinion about that. Zach, what do you think? About the Legion stuff? No, is this resembling what John's oh, oh, had planned? Okay. I mean, like I said, it doesn't match up with what he said at all. Um and I, I like it's hard to reconcile that Johns has become such a weird enigma figure. And, you know, I feel like he used to be so transparent. He was almost like the Scott Snyder of the DCU where he was just like talking about happen. what Haw Hawkman is going to come into the Hall of Justice and put his mace down. He's going to say it's not my blood. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That that is perfect. Thank you. Yes. Um. And And, you know, now he's just like just a ghost he doesn't exist you know he's in a bunker somewhere where he writes you know one page a day of this comic amidst all of his other um his other duties and things and, and it's just like it, it's such a weird as someone who like got into comics in the jeff johns era it's really it's really weird how opaque the whole process behind this book has been um, so much so that every, you know, you have people online speculating about the delays and who's at fault. And um, I definitely think it's John's, but it, it's a, it's weird. All right. So here's the thing I've wanted to talk to you guys about the whole time. What do you guys think of the photograph of John as being like the MacGuffin that led Luther to this? Uh, I mean, I don't really have a, I, don't, I guess I don't really like have a thought or a problem with it uh, as opposed to any other part of the book. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what to think because... So, so are we to think... Let, let me just make sure that I even understand the concept yeah, yeah, correctly. Yeah. Okay. Wherever Dr. Manhattan goes and makes a change to the timeline, he accidentally drops a photo of, right. is that, that's what, that's what they're saying. Yes, right. Because yes. that's why, that's why most of them are in America, but then they found one in the Congo or whatever. So he's going, so let's just focus on Superman. So, uh, in the previous issue, we saw, him affect Superman's timeline in the thirties or whatever. And then in the fifties and then in the eighties. Right. Right. So he dropped a photo at every one of those sites. Right. And so like when we're looking here in the back matter, it says that there was, um, there was one found in Smallville, Kansas in 1956, which Mm -hmm. is basically the start of the silver age. There's one found in Smallville in 1986, which is, which is crisis post crisis, you know? Yep, that's like the what the Man of John, Steel, the John, John Byrne. Byrne Man of Steel, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, and then in the picture, his clothing changes because th- that's the interesting part to me because that means that you know he's going through and affecting it at all these different time points, but that's actually affecting when when that picture was taken. Right, because he's wearing an updated clothing in all of them. Well, so that was what I was trying to figure out: is it updated clothing, or did it just appear to be up weird clothing because they found it before the photo was taken? Because they found it before like, the photo instance, was like like one of them was found in like the forties, and the picture was taken in the fifties, and so he's dressed in a way that would seem anachronistic. To someone in the 40s like this isn't from this time period well it, it sounded like it was supposed to be he was wearing a different yeah. style of clothing in every photo but the art didn't portray that, that, that that's either. why i'm confused because the art looks exactly the same yeah hmm well so what i was gonna say was if his if his clothing updates every time this picture's dropped then watchman itself is part of the metaverse too because then you know, when this picture is taken, it's it's taken at all these different points as well, you know. I guess that wasn't clear. Um, somebody, it definitely was not clear. Somebody messaged me on, on Farmers Only and let me know uh, <laughs> what the deal was there. Um, but the, the really interesting one was the picture then of the Flash the two of Two Worlds. Yeah. 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 So that so then that tell like who's taking that picture? <laughs> Did somebody take a picture of them uh, meeting in that original comic? I, it's been it, a while since I've... it's it's the Watcher. Ah yes, Oatu. Yes, this is DC Original Sin. <laughs> oh no, it pretty much is. Oh, it is. is. Holy ah! shit! Uh, let me just read this this line. Um, this line from uh, from the comic here. Each he's talking about the photos. You find them all over America, mostly. Other one was from the Congo. Each one is absolutely identical in every way. From what I've been able to piece together, the one in your hand was the first back in 1938. But if you look at John's suit, it comes from a later era in the 50s. It appears. So I was right. It's that the photos oh, are the same. Okay. But when they found it in 1938, they're like, "This is an odd bit of clothing." 
Oh man. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. blame it on the plane ride because I read that. I read it the s- same. I read it the same way you did, Vince. So I I mean. Well, and I'm I wasn't certain. I was re- like I read it several times, and I'm like, do I, am I? What am I not getting about this? Is that what it's saying? Okay, so you're right. Yeah. Okay, so that that answers any questions I had about that. <laughs> I'm fine now. Yeah, it just it seems very like I'm not opposed to there being a, a MacGuffin that leads Luthor to this, right? I, I, you know, we know Johns is a hard on for Luthor and likes putting him in situations that are more heroic than we've seen him in other places, you know. Um, and so that's I'm I'm more or less fine with that device, but it just seems to me like when that that photo is is part of the best issue of Watchmen, right? Like that mm-hmm. that for is it number four, something like that? Is that the the, the Doctor Manhattan issue? Like to me, that's like a sacred. I, and I'm not one of these guys who thinks Watchmen is perfect or infallible, or whatever. But that issue is so great. And that photo was used to such effect. But the photo was used because it, rem- it reminds Dr. Manhattan of his lost humanity. And I don't see why his lost humanity is going to be dropping out as he's altering Superman's life. Like, th- that just seems like two different ideas from this comic that Johns is putting together that I don't think really match up. Yeah, it's 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 a MacGuffin. Yeah. That, that photo is now a MacGuffin yeah. for this this weird... Unauthorized sequel, as uh, yes, as Uncle Rich nauseatingly calls it. So, so here's my last question about this issue before we move on. I, I, I do want to say also, this book is a thousand years late every week, uh, but Gary Frank's art continues to be very, very good. Mm, yes, his Giganta in particular, I was really quite taken with this week. I was like, oh man, he should draw a Giganta book because I would definitely read that. It will come out once every six years. But yeah, yeah, I will read that book. Um. I think he did a really great job managing a lot, a very chaotic issue. Um, yes, and that that came across really well. But but yeah, ultimately it was just too boring for me compared to issues nine and nine and ten. Yeah. So here's my question, though. So we've been told, like Scott Snyder said, basically that the way that this connects to like current DC stuff will be addressed at some point. If that's the case, is there do we feel like there was a time jump someplace that we didn't see? Because things like the Superman effect and Martin Stein being part of this government project, all of that seems like it's too big to just have been happening in the background of the comics that we've already been reading. Mm-hmm. So do we think that there's going to be like it it's gonna it's revealed that this happened you know, in between two panels, like that one Harley Quinn miniseries <laughs> was happened. Like, is this ever going to be addressed or are they just going to basically forget this ever happened? One, one year later, too. Yeah. <laughs> two years later. Yeah. Two years later. Yes. Two years, two later. Uh, the, the doomsday clock story. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be after, it's going to be after doomsday clock. That's what it's going to be called. Uh, Oh no, no, it will be. No, no, it's no. gonna be great. <laughs> this will be now known as before after Doomsday Clock. <laughs> um Okay, can I can I tell you what I think is actually gonna happen? Sure, yeah, yeah. I I honestly I cannot pull myself away from the idea that we're going to get new number ones 
across the board at some point. And I think part of it is part of it is they have to know when the 12th issue is going to be out. You know what I mean? Right. And Gary Frank said, I think it's going to be November. I, I think he meant, I think he meant November, 2020. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, we already have the November solicit. So the earliest it would be, would be December. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, no, I'm just an effort listener. I'm just, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I think when we know when that happens, I think you're going to see, I don't, you're not going to see an immediate relaunch of everything, but I think what happens then is something, whether it's a, whether it's like a, a one shot or something after doomsday clock or whether it's just letting a lot of these books come to like a natural conclusion of their arcs. There's going to be some catalyst DC rebirth style that relaunches a bunch of these books to more, more reflect the universe that doomsday clock is kind of talking about, you know, it's either going to be that, or it's going to be a one shot (laughs) that immediately wipes away whatever doomsday clock did and I don't think that that's going to be the case. I just don't think they went through all of this to do that. You know what I mean? Do you want to hear my very cynical take that will make me very angry? Sure, but let me just the sure, the last po- the last point I wanted to make was maybe not everything is going to relaunch. Like there would be no reason to lo- relaunch Legion of Superheroes right away again or Action or Tech. Yeah, but 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 a lot of these longer running things like Batman and Flash, Wonder Woman, maybe you know. Maybe stuff that just started up again won't get relaunched, but you know a lot of the big ones get new number ones. Um, Green Lantern certainly looks like it could be primed for it at some point. You know, mm-hmm. with with Grant Morrison doing his sort of seasonal style. Um, but but that's just that is so far down the road because who knows when issue twelve is coming out. Brian, what what's going to bother you if it happens? I feel like what's going to happen is there's going to be a conversation between Superman and Dr. Manhattan that's going to show him that like Dr. Manhattan's input into this world has been problematic and all this, and he's going to basically sacrifice himself to put the world right. And it's going to make all of this stuff not happen. And mm. things like the Superman... Uh, what is it called? The Superman... I just said it a minute ago. Theory. Like, Superman, Superman theory. theory and... Um, and Martin Stein's involvement and all of that, all of that's going to be blinked out, and we're going to be left with essentially the first, I guess it's the last pages of Flashpoint number five or six, whatever that last issue was, where it's like Barry and Bruce oh. are talking, and they basically say, like, wasn't that wacky everything that happened back then? <laughs> you know, and uh, it's going to be just like that scene. Damn, you're right, dude. <laughs> Because Johns has already done that, and so what's the stop yeah. from doing it again? Shit, it's true. Now, Clark and Dr. Manhattan and Pandora are all going to sit down at a table, <laughs> and they're going to talk about... Um, hash this out. <laughs> they're going to hash it out. They're going to talk about the state of American politics and, you know, Russian interference and, um, you know whether or not uh, Bruce is circumcised or not. And then um, <laughs> like, then, then we'll get rebirth to your year, year two. 
to Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> to Rebirth uh, and Furious. Okay, so he's going to set everything right again. Pandora is going to come back. Pandora is going to see this sexy, naked uh, blue man. They're going to kind of hit it off. He's going to say, sorry about that thing where I exploded you um, a couple years back. Hey, let's 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 go off and and uh, make some of our own life somewhere. And exploded you as a euphemism. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then we're finally gonna get uh, new Trinity universe in the question. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. And the question is Pandora and John Osterman's son. That's how we didn't know who it was because yeah. that we character have never was known. years away from being created in canon. It was but a twinkle in your eye, Brian Salvatore. Yeah. Uh. and then we'll get three questions three jokers and then also three riddlers is the it's going to be the 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 three query trilogy (laughs) oh my gosh the war of jokes questions and riddles (laughs) yes Uh, the trinity war of (laughs) jokes questions and riddles (laughs) <coughs> oh man, you broke me, Zach. Oh, it's a trilogy of trilogies. It rhymes. <laughs> uh, I th- I think when I think when John's ultimately jumps ship and goes to Marvel and doesn't get to do the three Jokers here, uh, he's just gonna take his idea over there and he's gonna do like the three Dooms or the three Vaders or something like that. Oh yes, please. <laughs> hey, I mean they're they're canceling Star Wars. What if wouldn't it be the weirdest thing if John's like signed an exclusive for marvel to take over whatever new star wars book it, my there god is. wouldn't that be the wildest thing luke that skywalker be... rebirth yeah <laughs> he never actually lost his hand it was uh it was an impurity in his hand oh, <laughs> oh man that would be wild all right well let's take a break Wash our mouths out and come back to talk about more DC Comics <laughs> in just a minute. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back with... uh... What do we got here, boys? We got Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, number one, written by Jody Hauser, illustrated by Adriana Mello. Um, this is uh, a book I forgot was happening. <laughs> and then it showed up, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is happening. Uh, this is the first of the books that's going to try and somewhat make sense out of Heroes in Crisis. Get, <laughs> uh, I mean, we'll see about that. But we also... Uh, we get a little bit of like in universe discussion that everybody thinks that uh poison ivy looks naked too it's not just us on the outside <laughs> no. thinks that um but this issue is really more of a poison ivy story than anything else i mean harley quinn is obviously 
there to facilitate things a little bit, but it's really about the changes in Poison Ivy, her connection to the green, etc. I am not opposed to any of these changes. I think they're interesting for the character. I think it's good for the overall DC universe. We have not had uh, a Swamp Thing that has been very connected to the green as of late. So to have a character that is more in tune with the green is a good thing. We get some Pharonic Man. Um, yeah, who's been showing up in, in JLD as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, overall, I thought this was a relatively slight book, but I had no real problems with it. I actually thought it was pretty delightful. Um, I I can't I guess I can't say that I like loved it, but I I did like it quite a bit. <clears throat> yeah, it was it was slight, but I thought the I thought there were some funny bits. I thought Harley Quinn was actually kind of funny. Um, I <laughs> I. I really liked the inclusion of Lex giving Ivy the special fertilizer because that not only did that lead to like a, a funny comedic moment where she like tastes it and Harley's pretty disgusted about it, but um, it also folds this book into kind of the, the current landscape of the DCU and not just like heroes and all heroes in crisis clean up. You know, um, plus it embraces the weird, right? Like it's this comic is not afraid to show uh, Poison Ivy eating shit <laughs> to like, <laughs> uh, you know, gain some sort of uh, control over her powers, uh, which I, I, I appreciate from like a fictional standpoint. Um yeah, I thought it was fun. I thought it looked really good. I think Adriana Mello is a really solid uh, artist. Um, she just did the um, Female Furies miniseries, correct? Yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah. She did all six issues of that, I think, and just flows right into this. So, um, yeah, I guess I I don't have too much to say about it. I think. You know, one thing we could talk about is the way that that characters like Harley or like Poison Ivy are handled at DC. Um, because they try to straddle this line or go back and forth, I think, sometimes. Are they heroes? Are they villains? Harley, at this point, is pretty much a hero. Every once in a while, they try to... They try to pull her into the anti-hero or the villain. They try to give a nod to that, but it doesn't really stick because they need they need her to be like a likable character that people, uh, you know, considering she's like the third member of the Trinity now, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but this issue does comment a little bit on you know are these characters heroes? Should they try being heroes now? Harley suggests that maybe they should try being heroes going forward. And I think it's interesting to watch a company reckon with that, with these two characters that have taken on a life beyond their origins, right? Yeah. No, I, I was going to say that was one of my favorite parts of the issue was her commenting on how, you know, they still consider me a villain, but I'm really not. Yeah. Um, I thought that was, that was very well written and, uh, 
and poses an interesting question for the DCU. So I was all for that. I think that was a good, that was a nice part of the issue. Um, Zach, you called this issue delightful. What was your favorite part of the issue? I mean, mostly just like, I, I thought Harley was really well written. I generally like really like the pairing of Harley and Ivy. Um, you know, the stuff you mentioned with like the fertilizer gift, um, the scene where they're like going to buy clothes for Ivy because she's like essentially, you know, like naked slash like skinless. And and then like <laughs> Harley just finds her in like a puddle of leaves and stuff um, was pretty cute. Um, it, yeah, it was just a lot. It was a lot funnier than I expected it to be for a book coming out of uh Heroes in Crisis, and and I welcomed that. And the, the art was really good. Um, it it had a very fun, almost like Amanda Connor esque feel to it. I don't know if you guys felt like felt that at all. Mm -hmm. um, and and yeah, I just I just thought it was very. I thought it was very fun, and I I liked it a lot more than I expected to. Yeah, I have I have no gripes with any of that. Um. My one question is that, is this going to be the book that sets Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy as a a couple in the DC universe? Like, like permanently sets them as that? Uh, I, go I don't, I don't think so. I, I really like would be surprised if DC came down and like had a definitive, like, this is a thing. But I also feel like it's been so well referenced and established in other books, too, that it's kind of just an unspoken truth right now, which, you know, for better or worse, I think is is. It... I mean, I'd go so far as to say it is spoken. You think it is spoken? I mean, look at this issue, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like... Yeah. Well, I guess that's what They're I mean. Fucking... I guess it was it's never been a, it like like Brian said like they haven't like made a thing about it, but right. it has I... kind of grown organically, I guess, yeah. and now it is the status quo. Yeah. You're right. They've never had like a hey th this is a public service announcement about Harley and Ivy, they're a romantic mm -hmm. couple now. But but it's just so clear that it it is what it is, you know. Yeah. Um. So so no, I don't think that this this miniseries is going to establish that because I think it is established at this point. Well, I, I don't mean establish in, as an in introduce. I mean establish as in it's something people can talk about now. Right. I yeah. I feel like people are already talking about it. Like in story, people are talking about it. That's what I'm talking about. Um, well, see, that's tricky because, like, uh, as ubiquitous as Harley has kind of become, she's she's not reference, she, or I don't know. Right, if she's, if, she's if she's referenced in other comics, it's like Suicide Squad, where, where almost nothing about her personal life or anything sure, is. Sure, Yeah. They feel but, like but two like, di totally different characters. Right, but like look at over like even in deceased, like Harley and Ivy are not like explicitly together, but they're paired. Um, they are they are almost always paired now when they're in a comic. Mm -hmm. But see, that was my question: was 
is this going to establish them as as I guess more officially I, I don't know how else to say that right yes um, yes it's or, going to or is this going to be an excuse to split them up to tell a story about that no uh, I don't think so see I felt like Harley talking about not really being a villain anymore that that's going to become the point oh, of was it I oh I said oh that's gonna piss off so many people I I don't disagree with that but the poison ivy what what is it poison ivy league yes the poison ivy league (laughs) yeah I don't Uh, I don't think they're gonna do that they're either gonna they're either gonna make it official and make these people happy because it doesn't necessarily like there there is like this very small group of people that is mad about it but nobody's really mad about it, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? There, you'd have more mad people doing doing what you're saying. So they're either going to keep going through down this, like, ambiguous, <laughs> ambiguous, sorry, road, um, or they're going to officially establish it in this. And I, I just think... I don't know. I think this miniseries is going to be like, well, yeah, we are a thing and we have been all along. I, I think I think that's what it's going to. Oh, man, it would just piss off way too many people, especially coming out of Heroes in Crisis, which is already pissed enough people off. You know what I mean? Right. I know art's not supposed to always make you feel good or like uh, give you everything you wanted. But I, I, I really have to think that they're not going to go in that direction with this considering everything else i would have never thought so but that conversation to me seemed very much like a uh, oh, they, they, they want to they want to introduce some trouble in paradise here you, you're not wrong you're not wrong um thinking about like the multimedia implications of this and how big harley is um did you guys see the like rumored poison ivy casting stuff this week no, no. So I actually don't remember where I read this. So like grain of salt and all that, but I did see some rumblings about uh, Rihanna being considered to play mm. Poison Ivy. And I think I think in Suicide Squad, but that no, no, sorry, it was the Batman. It's the Batman movie. Mm. That's all right. Um, which you know those aren't actually supposed to be connected at all, but. Um, I, I would think that like, I would be really surprised with as big of a movie push, I guess, depending how well Birds of Prey does. Honestly, like I wouldn't be surprised if we got like some Poison Ivy nods in Birds of Prey. Yeah. You know, know, I just realized guys Hmm. that there's a very good chance that we're going to have Donald Trump tweet about the Batman movie (laughs) because he's tweeted about Robert Pattinson in the past. (laughs) For sure. Nice to see Robert move on. He's Batman now. I knew, I knew if he broke up with that nasty woman, he would. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks. It's real bad. <laughs> yep, I know. I know. I don't agree with anything I just said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else to add to this? Or are we good to move on? Um, we good. Yeah, I think we're good. We have some doozies to talk about, so 
Uh, first up is Justice League number 31 by Scott Snyder, James Tynion IV, and uh, Jorge Jimenez. So can we just jump to the last page here for this one? Yeah. Because yeah, sure. There, there, is some, there is some good stuff with Commandy and some good stuff with the Justice Society, but there was nothing really like groundbreaking about any of that stuff. Can we agree with that? Well, I was going to say that I think this is like my favorite issue of this comic. I'm not saying it was bad. I just mean in terms of like storyline wise. I mean, I, I guess not. But like, I think that this is just the absolute best. Um, like. I. I think this is one of the best things Snyder's ever done. And Tynion as well. well. Well, now we can't jump ahead. You got to talk more about this. I just like I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just like the like headspace I'm in right now. So, um, uh, like, I, I um, have made it no secret that I am like obsessed with the X Men right now, and um, <laughs> I I've been listening to this podcast um, that kind of goes through um, like the Lee and Kirby and then like into the Claremont X-Men stuff. And like, I don't know if I'll ever actually read that stuff, but I definitely enjoy hearing like other people talk about it. (laughs) And like, this feels to me, like this feels like how I imagine people would have felt reading like dark Phoenix saga when it was coming out. Whoa. Wow. It's just like so weird, and and I mean it like in, it it's like in a campy way too. Like this is not like this is not modern comic booking necessarily. Like sure, like Snyder is tying in like Pearl Harbor to this, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, it's so goofy. I have a joke in, about that later. <laughs> well, okay, well I I put a pin in it. Um, <laughs> it's just so outrageous, and I and I love it. Like. It's not my favorite comic right now, but I I still just I I just really liked this issue a lot. It made me it made me smile a lot. It was just so much fun. The art is just breathtakingly good and just the audacity of it all and it's like wordy but in a good way. Um it's it's almost kind of got this like Morrisonian aspect to it to where they're all the characters are just saying really wild and wacky things and you just run with it and it's fun. Um, and it's just so big. Should you exit the ship in flight, you'll be fragmented into infinite possibilities of yourself. Exactly. Yep. Yes, yep. that. Yes. Yeah. And it's just and that's just like said in passing, you know, that's just like a you know, keep all hands and feet inside the vehicle at all times. Um, yeah, I I just really, really like this issue a lot, but we can definitely talk about the last page. Well, I mean, I, I want to say, like, I don't think this is bad by any means. I am not trying to say that I felt this issue was um, subpar or anything of the sort. I just felt like this was the last issue did a lot of the legwork for this issue. The last issue set up so many things that this issue is now just paying off. In terms of the Commandy and Justice Society stuff, sure, sure. Um, 
but Vince, let's get that Pearl Harbor joke out there. For... Okay. Well, that scene, like where they they transport to Pearl Harbor, and I forget exactly what what they say, but it's something like, uh, "What day is it?" or whatever. You know. <laughs> yes. It reminded me of the drill tweet, of course, because I uh, every, whenever I read anything or watch anything, I'm always thinking of drill. Mm-hmm. The one where he's like. Uh, <laughs> Hurry up, get hey, out of there, 9-11. Yeah, hey, you got yeah. to finish up in the bathroom, 9-11's happening. Yeah. <laughs> and we are recording this mere days before 9-11, so. Yeah, it's flying into Subway. They have their <laughs> annual deal. <laughs> One of the best Onion headlines of all time. Yeah, the on- Yeah. oh man. Ugh. Yeah, it's not problematic if I say it. It's an Onion thing. Yes, exactly. Uh-uh. Yeah, it makes me gasp every year when I see it. Uh, uh, never forget. Yeah. Um, um, but okay. So I did want to say that I thought it was very funny. Like, obviously this takes place before the, the past stuff takes place before Hawaii was a state, but the justice society talks about Hawaii. Like it's the moon. Like the natives call <laughs> yes. it Hawaii. Like they're just like yes. totally like With it was the apostrophe. Yes, yes. It it was a, it was a U.S. territory. It was a place people were already like vacationing to. It was not this this very bizarre place that they treat it like. Um, and that made me laugh a little bit, but that's fine. Um. I also want to say that Jorge Jimenez draws uh, Jay Garrick with the longest torso in human history. <laughs> like his, his Jay Garrick is just exceptionally torso-y. Um, he's very yeah. lanky. Yeah, yeah, he's... Yeah. Um, so let's get to this last page for a second here. What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> So that's the anti monitor, right? Well, why is Aquaman bros with the anti monitor now? <laughs> so, this is that case again where like this book is fantastic, but it like does not care at all what's going on in the in the DCU <laughs> right now, like at all. No cares are given. Yeah. Yeah, because this absolutely doesn't line up with Kelly Sue's Aquaman, which is or weird anything. because Kelly Sue's Aquaman tries to line up with this. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Um, I mean, I don't know why he's hanging out with the Anti-Monitor. I suppose that's what the next issue's for, but... It's a um, it's a good twist, I think. It, oh, it is. It is. Yeah. Um... I don't. I really like. Don't even know what to make of it yet. I. I almost think that like I. I can't even really talk about it until we get more info. Um, we. I. I would love to talk more about how Brainiac is bottling hypertime. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a pretty amazing uh, sentence. That's one of those things. There was a line in. Um, I think it was Metal Number One. Where they talk about where Snyder wrote this incredibly complex line of dialogue that was like, "It's simple. We just have to shoot the something something at the something something." Like, do you remember that line I'm talking about? Where it yeah, was like the most technical line so. about about just bonkers comics bullshit mm-hmm. uh, that was perfect. Um, and I feel like this is an example of that again. Just like this perfect distillation of all the wacky stuff in comics into one line. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, also, like, Shane is, like, one of the best new characters in DC Comics, and I hope he stays around forever. Um, like, I need, I need, like, a one of those Titans of Tomorrow type stories where he is on the the that he is on that team in the future or something or i need, i need him on the team time after this i i he's got to stick around i kind of think he won't i kind of think that he'll bite it once this whole story's over and it'll be really sad um but man i want him to stay around yeah she's a good character um, um I just, this is the most distinctive that the Justice League has felt in like such a long time. That's you know? an excellent point. This team like, has its own probably since Robinson. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Zach, you and I love to reference that James Robinson run as much as we can, but as much as we can, yeah. as much as we can. Um, Better that I mean, than Damon Lindelof. Hey, well, guess who I might be interviewing soon. Oh, no. um, but it's like so fun. I really do feel like a Justice League is made either on like its riff on the Big Seven or its additions to the Big Seven, and this is very much that the latter. You know, you get the flavor added by you know Starman and Mira and Shane and like the Monitor, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, I also I love that line where the world forger was like, "If I slip with this hammer, it's gonna undo all of time. So leave me alone, yes. or whatever." You know? yeah, yes. Um. Yeah, I I just think that this is this is really this is where it's at right now, and I'm I'm really I feel invested in this arc, um, in this little mini event, um, which you know when is the last time we I guess I guess dark side war was kind of this you know a big event within justice league it did have some tie-ins but um this definitely feels bigger and definitely better written i think and it's it's just very good we we get the first ever justice league justice society crossover mm-hmm. team up yep. i should say and we also yep, get first ever. Uh, justice society a Oh yeah, that Justice Legion, Legion Justice Legion, Justice Justice Legion. I'm sorry, my bad. Yeah. Yes, we do, we do. Which is, um, you know, I think Scott like tweeted um that page from Justice League One that had has Justice Legion A on it. It has Commandy saying like it's too late to save the future. Like back in back in Justice League number one. Um, Hey guys, sorry, sorry, I gotta do this. We have some literal breaking news on the podcast. Oh, wow. Uh, confirmed Suicide Squad ongoing from Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo. Oh, baby. Uh, let's see. There's a cover by Ivan Race. It looks like so. <laughs> God damn it. We, we have Harley, uh, King Shark, Deadshot. And then, <laughs> uh, here I'm. I'm gonna send this link to you guys. I know this makes for great radio, but I think I think I've I've already found it. Um, where did where did you see this? 
DC published a, a blog about it, but it looks like it was published perhaps too early. Like it was supposed to be up maybe tomorrow. Oh. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. I don't know who, who, who these is, people are. Who's the guy with the sword? I love that look. Is that, is that, that was... like a Batman of All Nations guy? Oh, is that? Oh, that's um, El Gaucho, right? Yeah, is that El Gaucho? Yes, I think so. Yeah. And then there's like a, a little girl, a young girl next to him in front of King Shark. Yeah, is she like is she supposed to be like Black Alice? Maybe I don't. I don't. That may not be right. And then is that Tiger Shark? Um, I don't know about that. I'm basically going based. He has like a shark fin mohawk and looks like a tiger. So I do kind of think that that might be supposed to be Black Alice, but I don't know that. Interesting. Okay. The new Task Force X is full of changes with new villains. Any of whom can die on a mission or be dispatched by all new mysterious leader who has replaced Amanda Waller. Ah. Hmm. Interessant. Looks like Harley Quinn and Deadshot are the uh, like the co-leaders of the team. Sure. Yeah. Okay. All well, right. There it is. Sorry, listeners. Little detour there. This news is already two days old by the time you're hearing this. Um, <laughs> unless it's pulled down right now, which would not surprise me. And that is why we're screen grabbing. <laughs> Man. I already made it my profile pick on Farmers Only, so <laughs> there we go. There we this go. This is wild. What if this is the the new uh, new best book in the DCU? It might be. It could be. <laughs> could be. Stranger it things could have happen. happened. Could happen. All right. Um, any other Justice League thoughts? We didn't really talk no, about I can't, Justice I really Legion A. Can't wait till. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else to add they about Brainiac? Um, no, not really. Uh, I really can't wait for the next issue, though, um, which I I did not expect. It's, it's been super fun. When does it? When does that come out? I guess in two weeks. Yeah. We did. We got these two back to back, which was very nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah, bring it on. And I think is it, this arc goes up to 35 or 36, or do we know? I believe so. I've also seen some people hypothesizing that this is the end of this title. Mm. Uh-huh. Which, is, which would be interesting. Interesting. Why Why do they say that? Uh, there was an interview uh, either Snyder or Tynion gave where they referred to this as the final arc. Okay. Now, so so what I, does it relaunch as? I don't know. I kind of took that as just the final arc of this like overarching two year story or whatever. Yeah. You know. Ooh, wild. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we'll see. All right, well that brings us to the big daddy. The one we've been all waiting to talk about, I'm sure. Legion of Superheroes <laughs> Millennium number one, written by Brian Bendis, illustrated by uh Jim Lee, Dustin Wynn, Andrea Sorrentino. And uh, Andre Lima Araujo. Araujo? 
Barajo. I'm so, I'm so bad with pronouncing names. Um, yeah, so I actually wrote a review of this for Multiversity last week, so I'm not going to talk that much about it because I've gotten out a lot of my thoughts uh, already, and I want to bore the listeners who maybe already read that. So, Zach or Vince, you guys take this away. Um, I I think I was supposed to like this more than I did. <laughs> There's a lot of ingredients here that... Uh, that I should like, but I don't think I like this. I, I, I liked it, but probably not as much as I was supposed to. Um, to I me, actually go ahead. Zach, oh, go ahead. You, you, you elaborate a lot. You know, you go ahead. I was just going to say to me, this feels very much like, the first chapter in something that doesn't really have any satisfactory information of itself, except that it's the first chapter in something. And that I really don't understand why we needed this lead up to the series. Yeah. I mean, I guess, and I, it, it'll be interesting to see if Rose slash Thorn is in the new Legion. Oh, interesting. Um, so real quick, the opening chapter with Jim Lee art mm-hmm. um, set in the most recent future with President Supergirl has some of like the most egregious been to speak in <laughs> in DC. Yeah. Yep. And some um, of the most like, egregious Jim Lee art. <laughs> yeah, that also too. Uh, I, I I'm I'm so tired of. <laughs> Oh God, I'm gonna feel like I feel like a broken record saying this, but I'm so tired of characters saying things like, "Believe me, I know how crazy this sounds. I need you to know that I know that." Nobody talks like that, okay? And, Nobody and we does. Met rose and Thorn, you're Rose. I am, and Thorn is was your partner. No. Ah. Uh, hmm bashing my head with the microphone right now uh, yeah here and yeah. listeners but that was definitely the most like egregious part of the issue i think um i enjoyed the destin win batman beyond part like give give me that every every day make that a weekly i'll buy it <laughs> um that i i actually think that that was maybe the most it was probably my favorite of the chapters, I think. Um, I prefer the Commandy chapter best. See, I think that was my least favorite besides the Jim Lee one. Oh, interesting. Um, I didn't particularly care for Sorrentino's art in it. God damn you. Um, I just don't... I It's something about... I, I don't know who... Are the creative teams in here? Let's see. They're in the, like, the first page of the PDF. Yeah, but it doesn't say like who is. It, it's it's an order of who. Color. Yeah, but it doesn't say who is like coloring who. You know what I mean? No, it does. It, yeah, it, but you can you can figure Dave it Stewart. out. It's. I mean, okay. It's Dave Stewart. Yeah. Well, okay, fine. I guess you. Yeah, okay. I guess they're all in order. Um. Well, I didn't like it, which is weird because I like Dave Stewart, but I guess I'm more accustomed to Myolo coloring. And I think in general, Mayolo is a is the best colorist for him. 
But I think that in this setting, Stewart's colors worked really well. I just think it's a little too like muddy looking and like I I don't know. I I just didn't find it very appealing. I also think it's like the weirdest of the stories, which is why I liked it the most. Oh. Yeah, it, but the the point of that story escapes me more than any of the other ones. Same. Yeah, it's very. Well, can I defend it, that story for a minute? Go for it. Okay, so here is why I think that that is the best story in this issue. First of all, it is the only story in the issue that has a question in it or something weird in it that might be picked up on in the future. Other than the like next one. Or like... I mean, the next one is like where the issue is going to pick up on, I but, would assume. But but here's what here's what I mean. So there's a really mysterious line in there where Commandy says that doesn't belong to you, and it was talking about the Superman suit, and she says it belongs to my father. I think that was, she was just like yeah, she's just with them. I don't know if she's it. just lying or whatever it is, but it's the only she time is. in the issue that. <laughs> <laughs> Why are, how are how are you so sure of that? That is total that is total Bendis shit. Her saying that to confuse him, and then she runs away. But it's just like and look, I I don't think you're wrong. I by the promise way. you, that's what it I don't is. think I don't I don't think you're wrong at all. I just think it's the first time that a character does something that is vaguely interesting and challenging in this whole series in this whole issue i mean like everyone just acts so by the book as you expect them to act this is the only one where someone's actions or words surprised me see and i thought you were I talking about like the like weird mysterious structure thing or like or like the part that the suit would play in general no um, i just think that, i mean that's a MacGuffin. we're using that word a thousand times this episode apparently but but like i don't think that that's important at all i just think it's I just liked that it had characters that were doing – there was weirder stuff happening. It wasn't such a linear story. Like – so here's – I have such pedantic problems with this issue in, in some ways. Um, oh, this is going to be the episode that breaks the DC3. I can already tell. So, like, here, here's, here's my first one is that there's no way that old Supergirl – would be president before Batman Beyond. Because we know Kryptonians age... Because she's a woman? No. <laughs> dang. No, dang, man. Uh, well, we don't know when Batman Beyond is happening. Bruce actually isn't, like, referenced in this. But Terry's still pretty young in this. Yeah, but, like, this could be, like, a new... This could be a thing, a different thing. I guess. Now I'm being pedantic. But yeah, we're like, both being pedantic about this, but like, whatever. But, but I, I, like, I, do, but, but, I agree with you. It was weird, and I'm just gonna talk that up to Jim Lee. Okay, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> but, but here's, but my, here's my point though. My point with all this, just like super. Th to me, the most interesting part about this issue, aside from the commandy thing, is that Bendis had a really good hook as to why Rose and Thorn would be interesting in the future. Like the idea of like they've cured basically this this mental ailment that 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 you know inf that that afflicts her and because she's the only one left they're not going to make medicine for it anymore because they believe everyone that has this has been has died out or whatever like i thought that was actually a pretty clever bit of storytelling 
aside yeah, from there, there is no pharmaceutical industry anymore yeah i'm sorry zach i it'll be a better world <laughs> um but aside from that like, i thought that supergirl sequence was utterly boring you have jim lee who's like the one thing jim lee is really good at is action and he has one like stayed panel of superman fighting thorn there's just people talking in an with, office building with the Which suicide is the most... squad and naomi yes <laughs> <laughs> It's like okay, you you pick someone, I'll pick someone. Yeah, <laughs> very good point, Zach. And then the Batman Beyond story just—I mean, it looked beautiful because it was win, but like nothing really happens in that story. You know, she's so dumb that she thinks that Batman is 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 still a young. Oh, man she's not dumb. I think she's like she's like unstable and not in a good place. And I I I didn't read it that way. I thought it was kind of like heartbreaking and I mean, it's fine. tragic it's just, i just feel like the, my point with this is that there is nothing in this book that taught, taught us anything different about rose and thorn even though we haven't seen rose and thorn in forever and it's just it's uh, well, I, other than she's um, effectively immortal yes which we knew beforehand no no we didn't we knew that from the from the solicitor was going to be an immortal character. I'm talking about like, well, but we did, but we didn't know that it was Rose and Thorn. This, sure. this is okay. a new wrinkle to her character. Sure, I just mean like in terms of you know, we're we're arguing over this shitty comic for no reason. Um, I just feel like there wasn't this was an opportunity to do so much with this character, and I feel like three of the four stories did uninteresting things. I felt the commandy one is when you start to see that she's desperate and she's trying anything and she believes a rumor she read on the internet about uh, Superman's suit giving her powers. Again, she's remembering the internet like thousands of years after the internet was a thing, but that's another uh, whatever. Um, and it just, it, to me, like you see her being deceptive or being misleading and you also see like how she's improved herself as a as a as a physical fighter, like she takes off the elder's head, like with no trouble. You see her, like she's had lots of time to get much better at all this stuff. It was the, it was to me the one story that wasn't, that wasn't exactly what I expected it to be, I guess. Well, we're, we're bearing the lead here, which is the like best part of the whole issue, which is, uh, in my opinion, Andre Lima, Arujo's art, who, has been a like low key favorite of mine for a few years now, and I'm very glad to see uh, him working at DC. Did you enjoy that section though? Yeah, I thought I I liked that section. It was I mean, it was the shortest section, so it didn't have it was only four pages I think compared to the others, um, which were a bit longer. Um, I thought it was fun mostly because of the art um it was very expressive i can't say that it was like my favorite part just because it was shorter but the art was wonderful vince talk a bit about this issue um yeah i like the art in that segment uh, i think i'm i'm a huge dustin Wynn fan but i that was maybe my second favorite as far as art goes I agree that the Sorrentino art looked a little off for some reason, and the Jim Jim Lee does nothing for me. Um, none of these stories did anything for me. I, I think 
I don't know. The the idea of Rosenthorn being the uh, tour guide through the future of the DCU and, and these little segments, I like the idea of little segments introducing you to each one of these future um, eras in, in the future of DC Comics is great on its face, but the returns were really diminishing pretty much across the board. And I felt like that was due to repetitive dialogue, annoying dialogue, not a whole lot of stuff happening, not any real tie to Legion of Superheroes that was um, in any way meaningful to me at this point. Um, It just seemed like a dud. And more than anything, it seemed like... uh, I I think a lot about the way that stories are structured or the way that uh, a publisher like DC or Marvel um, structures an event and, and like tie-ins and things like that. And it's just seeming more and more like DC are doing these, uh, tie-ins or one-shots or whatever that really don't have anything to do with the story that's coming that would have easily been um, skippable or like with the Leviathan event that one-shot was like better than the first three issues of the event combined which all didn't feel like they needed to exist. You know what I mean? Like, like there, there's, there's padding going on at these publishers. And I feel like this is one of the most egregious cases of it that I've seen yet where I don't know what I'm supposed to, I don't know what I was supposed to get out of this comic. And I don't just mean plot wise. I mean like anything other than like some okay art. I didn't really get anything out of, reading this it didn't tell me anything about the dc universe or the way things are in the future or what they're what they're aiming at you know um and none of these told story it didn't tell an overarching story really even though it had the pretense of one um and none of them individually were a story so <laughs> i don't i guess issue two could come along and prove me wrong and maybe there is a greater arc here that's going to come to some sort of conclusion but i really feel like we're going to get left hanging if this issue is any indication well to me this issue just looks like further proof that right now bendis gets to do whatever he wants to do at dc because sure because this is this is basically bendis saying i want to pick these six or eight characters, whatever, that I want to tell a little story with. And uh, DC's saying, sure, that's fine. Go that's fine, as that. long as you don't tell a story at all. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, uh, I I would be... I I feel like this is weirdly leaning, leading to Rose and Thorn being in the Legion, which is which is weird to me because... Bendis already has a lead into the Legion with John yes. in Superman. So it's weird 
to me that he would be seeding another kind of like POV character with Rose and Thorn of all people. Do we think um, that John is going to be a like regular monthly part of that book? I don't know. I I don't know. I think he'll definitely be in the first arc and then maybe here and there. So maybe Rose and Thorn are the like for when I John's think, not there. I think that they'll be there. If if that's where Bendis is going, I think that they'll be there all the time. Uh, I agree. What I'm saying is though, they'll yeah. be sort of the point of view characters when John isn't there. <sighs> See, See, I don't know though, because I don't I don't I almost don't think that they'll even be point of view characters. I think they'll just be at that point they'll just be like in the soap opera you know mm-hmm. i mean to be fair because there's, there's so many thing... people who could be point of view characters in in legion right and, and to be fair like the one thing that the legion does need is more characters so it does yeah definitely so... uh they're already like i mean uh Jeremy called us out uh, for uh, <laughs> pedantically listing every character in that Justice League issue, but uh, we sadly did not bother to go through and list all the possible new characters in the Justice League, uh, the the Legion spread, and there yeah. are some interesting ones in there. Um, there's like a weird new Yellow Lantern, there's a Doctor Fate in there. Um, it It's wild. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really amazing to me how within the same week or two we can get really great Bendis comics and Bendis comics that leave us feeling really disappointed and also Bendis comics that we're very excited for in the future. Like it seems like we're getting the whole of the Bendis experience instead of spread out over many years like it was at Marvel, we're getting it all at the same time right now at DC. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We love it. <laughs> We really do. We really do. Anything else to say about uh, about this comic? No. No. I think I I think I maybe liked it the best out of all of us, but it definitely wasn't what I expected or necessarily wanted. I just enjoyed it in spite of that. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. And that does it for uh, for this week on the DC Three Cast. Vince, do you have the listing of what's coming out next week for us? I do. Next week, uh, <clears throat> Batman. <coughs> Excuse me, Batman. Batman and the, yep, <laughs> yeah. it'll sooner than you think. Um, <laughs> Batman and the Outsiders, uh, Batman Universe number three, Catwoman fifteen, Collapser three, Detective Comics ten eleven. Um, Event Leviathan 4, Flash 78, Gotham City Monsters number 1, Hawkman 16, House of Whispers 13, Justice League Odyssey 13, Riddler Year of the Villain, uh, Wonder Twins 7, Wonder Woman 78, and Young Justice number 8. Did we, um, did we do the lists? Oh, we didn't do the list. Thank you, Zach. I appreciate you reminding us of that. Um... So uh, on the good list this week, we have Deathstroke, Doom Patrol, Way to the Way to the Worlds, 
and the Green Lantern. On the OK list, we have Lois Lane. On the Harley Quinn list, we have Harley Quinn. Sam Universe list, The Dreaming. The IDW crossover list, Batman TMNT3. Um, we will review that last issue, Jeremy, I promise. Um, the Walmart list, Su- Superman Up in the Sky. And the Neil Adams list, Batman versus Rachel Ghoul. I kind of wish we were talking about that book, but just wasn't time this week. Um, you can just record an addendum of you monologuing about it. Uh, no, I'm good, thanks. Maybe, maybe I'll make <laughs> you guys read like number three or something. Just pick a random issue and just try and dive in and see how much of it makes any sense whatsoever. So we'll see what happens there. Anyway, you can find two thirds of us on Twitter. I am at Brian Intonap. And I'm at Wilker Fox. If you want to find Vince on the internet, just go to every date in history there's been a Packers win, and you will find a picture of him uh, <laughs> holding on to a Vince Lombardi uh, statue of some kind. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It is true. All yeah. right, guys. Good joke, sir. Thank you. Talk soon. Bye. Yeah, but one of one of the things that they say is uh, that the baby that- Lex looked at them. <laughs> <laughs>